you're listening to the podcast edition of One Love, One Planet. Good morning and welcome to One Love, One Planet with me, Penny Southgate. Um, And now we're going to hear from um, the Sortition Foundation. I spoke to Rich Rippin last week um, all about the possibility, well, Sortition itself and the possibility of maybe getting rid of the House of Lords and replacing it with something else. So have a listen. My name is Rich Rippin. Uh, I work for the Sortition Foundation as a project manager. Uh, We've been doing that for a couple of years now. Um, In my other life, I'm actually a therapist uh, and counsellor. So I uh, devote some of my time to trying to change the world in a a big scale uh, with the Sortition Foundation and, and some of my time trying to support individual people, you know, one person at a time. Oh, fantastic. Um, Okay, so in terms of (laughs) sorting the world out, um, uh, well, actually, before we get to that, can you tell us what sortition, it's a very unusual word, and I suspect there may well be a few people who haven't heard of it. What is is it? Yeah, sure. So sortition is just the fancy technical word for um, what we might also call a civic lottery or the process of of selecting ordinary people like you and me um, to make decisions about things in the same way that we would select people um, more commonly for jury service. Uh, So it's like the idea of jury service of taking ordinary people, um, but um, bringing them into uh, spaces where they can deliberate on, learn about and make decisions uh, on uh, important issues. Right. Thank you. Okay, brilliant. And what is the Sortition Foundation? So, I mean, we exist to uh, encourage the use of of, of that way of doing things that that I've just described. So we think that uh, today's politics needs citizens, ordinary people uh, like you and me, uh, Mm. at the centre of decision making um, and that everyday people should decide how we collectively live together. Um, So uh, we work to transform uh, local, regional, national democratic processes. Uh, by eventually um, institutionalising citizens' assemblies. Um, uh, So, for example, by creating a second chamber uh, in the Scottish Parliament or even uh, the idea of replacing the House of Lords uh, in in the UK Parliament uh, with a permanent citizens' assembly. So that's that's kind of our vision. Um, And and part of our work is about campaigning to try and achieve uh, those kind of things. Right. and our day job, if you like, um, is to uh, carry out the um, the selections uh, of participants to take part in these kind of processes because they're actually excitingly already happening, uh, yes. certainly all, all yeah. over the UK, all over the world. Yeah, I was going to say, because I didn't know, I thought sortition was very much a sort of an idea for the future, even though no, I understand that's how... Um, juries are selected but it was actually it was really exciting to hear that it is happening now so where where is it happening so it's happening quite a lot in the uk um scotland um the the scottish government are pretty keen on deliberative democracy so they've had a number of national uh citizens assemblies they had one on the future of scotland uh they had one more recently on climate change Uh, there's actually been a uk-wide citizens assembly on climate change 
Um, it didn't meet everybody's expectations uh, in that it was called for by the UK Parliament, by a number mm. of parliamentary committees, but it wasn't called for by the government. Um, so that meant, of course, that the government of the day was free to ignore its outcomes if they so wished. And that sadly seemed to be the case. Right. OK. I was going to say this is part of the problem, isn't it? That these things are amazing, but if they don't have real power... Mm. Uh, at the moment, the, the the ones that are happening, sortition that the applied sortition at the moment, um, how powerful is it? Are there any instances where people have had? Because they did, they did, um, didn't they do sortition in Ireland? Yeah, indeed. Abortion? And yes. so they, they had really powerful uh, citizens' assemblies in Ireland, mm. uh, and although they weren't um, binding um, themselves. I think they had a significant impact on the kind of the broader political situation with regards to the issues that they were discussing. So most famously, um, they uh, one of the Irish Citizens Assemblies addressed the issue of um, access to abortion. Mm. Uh, and as we know, uh, after that had happened, uh, after the Citizens Assembly had deliberated on that and, and reached the conclusion um, that they would want to repeal uh, the constitutional ban on abortion, there was then a referendum of the general public um, uh, which uh, voted to change the law in that way in Ireland, uh, mm. which was obviously a pretty dramatic uh, shift. Um, and I think the, the fact that a citizens' assembly had happened and that uh, the wider public was aware of that and the wider public was aware that ordinary people like them had sat down in a room with each other with, you know, many of them starting off with, uh, you know, diametrically opposed views on that issue, mm. um, on sitting down and listening to the evidence, uh, listening to experts on all sides, talking to other ordinary people really properly deliberating in a way that sadly doesn't tend to happen in our parliaments, um, those people collectively came to the conclusion that they did want to make a change. And then when that went to a referendum, uh, the wider public um, shared that view. Yeah. And listening to you talk about it, it's it's made me sort of realise that, you know, we we hold the jury system in such sort of high esteem, don't we? It's it's sort of it's almost sort of sacrosanct as part Absolutely. of our democracy, and yeah. and yet, as you say, the the climate citizens assembly has been pretty much disregarded, which you would never dream of doing that with the decision of a jury. Absolutely, um, we, yeah. And, and I often to, say to people, if yeah. you if you if you found yourself in in a court of law, would you like to be uh, tried by a jury of your peers, or would you prefer to be uh, tried by a group of people who'd been elected and who'd been more interested in winning elections than they had in mm. in, in in the kind of the process of, of deliberating in your specific case? Uh, and I think when it comes to the judicial system, we're we're really glad that we have ordinary people. Um, taking part in uh, making those decisions. Uh, but yeah, in the wider political space, it's still um, quite uh, an unusual idea, but it's one that's really mm. gaining traction mm. and gaining ground as we see more and more citizens' assemblies happening around the world. Uh, and people see uh, the quality of um, decisions and the kind of yeah. the, the, the sense that ordinary people have to make yeah. uh, really big decisions. And again, I suppose something that is important to, to reiterate about the process of citizens' assemblies. Of course, at Sortition Foundation, we're particularly focused on the selection of the participants, and I can talk about that to whatever level of detail um, mm -hmm. feels useful for your listeners. But um, that's one aspect, is making sure you have this really diverse group of, of ordinary people in the room. Um, the next important aspect is that you have um, appropriate experts from across the kind of opinion spectrum. Um, so what 
whatever issue you're discussing. Uh, you know, for example, we ran a citizens assembly in Jersey on the idea of assisted dying. Uh, and we made sure that there were people uh, who were very much in favour of changing the law on assisted dying and people who um, had objections to that um, and, and, mm. and a balance of, of mm. views. They came in, explained that to the people. Um, so you're getting this kind of educative aspect where everyone taking part um, is getting brought up to the same level of understanding by hearing from experts uh, on the issue. Once they've had that kind of educative part, they then get into the deliberation. So that's usually working in small groups, uh, really getting into the nitty gritty of discussion uh, with other people. And then and, and there's a kind of an iterative process going back and forth between those small group discussions, feeding back out into the big group, maybe having discussions about other experts that they feel they need to hear from um, to further develop their ideas and their thoughts. And then after you've had that deliberative um process mm-hmm. uh you then get onto the decision making so it's like educative deliberative decision making um and and what really stands out when people observe these processes and then compare them to what they see in every parliament that you observe around the world is that what's happening in parliaments uh, is almost never a genuine deliberation it's more a political theater between opposing yeah. teams um who have you know the next election as their as their top priority mm. in, in many senses and their party political interests, um, you know, necessarily the system has that baked in. Um, mm. That's that's what you have to do if you're a politician. You have to win elections. Otherwise, you you know, that's yeah. your whole uh, reason for being. Yes, um, absolutely. Oh, and I just love the way you've painted that picture of... Mm. Because uh, I get very, very frustrated watching um, Prime Minister's Question Time because it is it it is just becomes a shouting match, and yeah. and it is set up to be this sort of gladiatorial sort of fight, isn't it? Where and I wish we could have a semicircle of benches rather than <laughs> opposing benches. I think literally physically we need to change that chamber. Yeah, um, because it is all about point scoring. Um, and finding the differences so that they win, as you say, and they keep their ratings up. And yeah. it isn't very kind of grown up politics, really. Exactly. Um, and you just you don't find that in citizens assemblies because nobody has um, an incentive um, to try and make the other people look ridiculous um, or mm, to, you know, mm. get that kind of one upmanship is 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 just doesn't have a value in that space. What yeah, people and are doing is. They're collectively trying to come up with the most um, useful decision for society as a whole. And they're, they're working not totally towards consensus, because if you have a citizens assembly of 100 people, it's pretty unlikely you're going to get exact agreement um, mm. between 100 people. Mm. But what you do find is that you get incredibly high rates uh, of agreement if you give people the information mm. uh, that they need to understand an issue and you give them the time and the appropriate facilitation to discuss it properly and cooperatively. Uh, it's quite astounding the extent to which people will um, come to very large majorities, sometimes called super majorities, um, around um, certain proposals. Yeah, it's heartwarming as well because because i you know you feel like our politi- our our kind of world is being played with at the moment and there is mm-hmm. all this division being and chaos being sown on social media it's so reassuring when you hear things like that that actually when human beings do get together and talk to each other we are all actually in many ways very sort of similar one thing yes. i wanted to ask you about was um 
which I find interesting is this the sort of culture of the meeting and you talked about the facilitation because you know how in in groups and actually I saw it when I went when I did jury service we were mm-hmm. all sitting in the waiting room and they called out the people who were going to be in in my kind of a court and I looked at this one guy and I thought you are going to be the main voice in this <laughs> and sure enough sure enough he was and I'm just wondering do you do the people in these groups, are they given any guidance on that whole business of don't talk all the time, don't hog the light? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it, obviously that's going to vary from process to process. But mm. fundamentally, I think what you're talking about there is the need for good quality facilitation. Yeah. Uh, and that is another defining factor of um, a well-run deliberative process mm. is that you have an entire facilitation team who are professional facilitators. That's what they do. Um, mm. And so they'll be... Um, you know, facilitating the event overall, but then also crucially when you're working in in small groups, which is another key uh, kind of component of these processes, uh, you'll have maybe, let's say, between five and ten people at the, at the most, and you'll have a table facilitator for every single group. So it's not just a question of sending people off um, to deliberate um, mm. unaided. You have a professional facilitator in every single group. So, if, you know, of course, you will have varying degrees of self confidence um, and 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 uh, willingness to speak up in groups and so on. Mm. Um, but that's that's the role of a of a professional um, competent facilitator is to you know rein in those people who might be talking a bit more than their fair share yeah. and to really try and bring those other people out of themselves to 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 make their contributions. Yeah, and that is profound in terms of democracy Mm. because so often you have groups that are marginalized and unable to speak maybe as articulately you know people who's in whose language first language isn't English for example you know all that stuff I've seen all this in these and and these people who are quiet who don't want to say anything and if the facilitator makes it really easy for that person it really invites that person to speak and if people are patient and listen and tune in and are generous Mm -hmm. that person then gains in confidence as well and the it's all just so much more kind of meaningful and much better quality absolutely Um, and 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 of course you know there are those people who are more likely to speak uh, you know, over others and to 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 make their own voice heard, um, you know, regularly. But but also any of us can sometimes get very passionate and kind of run away with ourselves. And and yeah. and so a little bit of facilitation mm. uh, can can benefit us all. I think. And mm. you're making a really important point there about that the whole idea of these processes is getting voices that are not normally heard heard in the political space. to Rich Rippin from the Sortition Foundation. Um, And I asked him, how on earth do you begin to select people for these assemblies? Very simply, we use the Royal Mail um, address database, which has every postal address uh, in the UK on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a piece of software that we developed that can run a random selection on that. Uh, So we then will end up with, let's say, 20,000 addresses and we'll send out uh, invitations to those 20,000 addresses. Uh, we don't know who lives at them at this point. So this is truly uh, random. Mm. Um, those 
invitations land and people can then choose to register people who are interested uh, in taking part will uh, register their interest will then have a pool of people who said yeah i'm up for taking part in that uh, and when they've registered they will have given us some information about themselves in terms of age gender ethnicity and so on so we can then carry out our second stage of, of civic lottery um, where we are able to stratify we are able to make sure that the you know the, the 50 people or the 100 people or whatever it is that we choose are mm. completely representative across all of those uh, demographic Amazing. categories fantastic um right i want to ask you about your your mission your big the the, the big idea um, so, which you've already mentioned, yeah. Um, in terms of, so this is, re- so are you talking about replacing the House of Lords? Yeah, that would oh. be that. That <laughs> would be the kind of the, the, the jewel in the crown, okay. I guess, at the moment. Um, and in many senses, I guess you could say it's low hanging fruit. In that, um, you don't often find people who really have a strong defence of the House of Lords. Mm. Um, you know, it's and and in terms of the, we would replace it. We would replace it with a house of citizens. That that's that's our vision. Fantastic. Um, and uh, we believe that because of all of our experience, um, you know, uh, that we've seen around the world now of of these kind of like deliberative um, processes that have taken place with uh, ordinary people like you and me um, getting involved. Um, we have total faith that. Um, people would do a better job mm. of representing, you know, if, if we want politics to represent people like us, then it has to include people like us. And yeah. if we just look at the demographic makeup um, of the House of Lords, um, I think the average age, I was looking on the 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 the, 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 um, the website the other day, it's it's somewhere in the 70s anyway. I think it's I think it's maybe 73 <laughs> or 74 is the is average really? age. Um, and, and there's, you know, maybe a handful of people under the age of 40. Um, wow. that, that just obviously is not representative of our society mm. in any way. If we had a citizens, um, uh, a, a house of citizens, it would be, you know, it would be exactly proportionate in terms of age, gender, mm. ethnicity. It would be ordinary people. It would be people like us making decisions on behalf of people like us rather okay. than, you know, the vast majority of us look at the House of Lords. We don't see people that we recognise as being like our family and friends and neighbours sitting in that place. Yeah. Uh, we we kind of, I think, have a sense that these people are from a, a different world. And so perhaps it's not surprising that um, their uh, worldview and their decisions uh, don't reflect um, our experience of, of the world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and how long? How long would people serve in the House of Citizens? Well, of course, these things would all ultimately be up to, um, you know, a democratic process mm. to, to to decide. Um, but we uh, are currently working on some of these questions. Mm. Uh, and I think at the moment we'd suggest, you know, possibly a two year term. Right. And um, you get a salary, would you? Absolutely. Yeah. And I think it would be appropriate for the salary to be, let's say, whatever the the uh current salary of an mp is yeah um that would obviously make it a really attractive option yeah, to people because phenomenal. mps get paid significantly more than the national average wage mm. so for the vast majority of people being selected by civic lottery to take part in the house of citizens it would be a couple of years of of, of earning significantly more than than they usually mm. do you could also do things exactly as you do with jury service where you basically say that employers have to release people from their yeah uh, employment to do this and they can't be disadvantaged and they'll have a job to go back to just as we would with mm. you know, with, with maternity leave or mm. paternity leave just as we do with jury service now um and so i think i think a, a lot of people would find that um a, an attractive option yeah i uh yeah it does sound 
really exciting. How, what are you doing to, to sort of further the possibility of that, this happening? What, what is yeah. the campaign? Yeah, it's a good question. I mean, so it's early days for that. Um, right. We have been more focused on, on Scotland in recent years. Um, because of the fact that Scotland only has one chamber in, mm-hmm. in its parliament at the moment, and also because there seemed to be a kind of a political will in Scotland mm. to really get behind the idea mm. um, of um, a second chamber, there's, there's a House of Citizens there. Um, so, yeah, it's early days for the House of Lords campaign. We are talking to other democracy organisations um, in the UK. Um, we're starting to think about a crowdfunder. Obviously, these kind of uh, campaigns always need funds to get them going. Mm. Um, but yeah, we, we think we have also done some research where we've um, spoken to uh, samples of, of, of regular folks um, to get their views on um, how they feel about this. And I suppose that's been really uh, inspiring because uh, the, the the support for the idea of a House of Citizens is strong amongst mm. people um, once they have the concepts explained. Yep. Uh, to them because obviously it's for a lot of people it's a brand new idea if you say sortition to most people in the street they'll say what what do you mean what's that if you say citizens assemblies i think it has it has more uh traction because you you can fairly intuitively understand mm-hmm. what a citizens assembly might be mm-hmm. uh but i think when people hear some of the detail and then even more so when people see them happening mm. um it can be a beautiful thing to behold and and, and i think you know, we do have this like cynicism about politics because there's a lot going on at the moment in the world that that makes people, mm. uh, you know, feel that cynicism. Uh, but when you uh, get to observe, um, as we've done, um, some of these processes taking place, it's like wow, uh, people can actually do this. And you, you, if you, and it reminds you that, as I said earlier, like the, the parliamentary systems that we have, so often like the, the system absolutely creates and encourages a situation of um you know one-upmanship and fighting and just no deliberation at all there's no you don't yeah. people in the house of commons or even the lords are not really sitting down and saying oh here's a problem let's use our you know collective wisdom to really think this through and listen to other people's points of view and acknowledge some of our own you know perhaps mm. mistakes about how we've seen it in the past and oh yeah no i see what you're saying that just doesn't happen at all but when you get people together in in these Uh, processes that are deliberately designed um, to do exactly that, to foster cooperation Mm. and to foster actual active listening Mm. to each other and listening to experts, listening to evidence, um, then, you know, people come up with incredible uh, conclusions. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm sure it's the case that in those sort of smaller inquiries and commissions, I, I know that I've seen sort of clearly MPs get on with each other and a much more congenial behind the scenes. And it is yeah. that it is that theatre of the House of Commons. But yeah. one thing I wanted to ask was, are there any um, houses of citizens anywhere in the world at the moment? Um, yes. So, um, again, it, it is pretty new. Mm. Uh, but recently, the City Council in Paris has instituted a permanent um, citizens assembly. Um, and um, prior to that, um, the German-speaking region of East Belgium um, has uh, instituted a permanent institutionalised citizens' council um, of 24 uh, ordinary citizens who are selected by lottery, uh, and they have a number of roles, but that includes they can choose topics that they believe um, could usually be discussed um and have recommendations about them made by ordinary citizens. So they can actually 
themselves, those mm. those those people who've been selected by lottery can then uh, appoint um, a number of citizens assemblies per year to address specific issues. Um, and do they so, have real power? Do well, they, they have um, a, a kind of an oversight role, which I think is something that's missing from a lot of processes at mm. the moment. So often you'll have a citizens assembly will take place, it will make some recommendations, it will give those recommendations to politicians, and then it kind of dissolves. Um, what happens mm. in East Belgium is that the um, the citizens council uh, has the power to set up these citizens assemblies, but also to hold the politicians to account and to scrutinise um what they're doing uh, with the outcomes um after the event so that's that's what we need more of um we need more power in the hands of ordinary people uh power to the people <laughs> exactly yes that. i love it that's fantastic um we're 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 running out of time here if people are listening and thinking i love the sound of this i want to contribute and help mm-hmm. can they what can they do Certainly, we. I mean, I would just um, uh, direct people to our website in the first yeah. instance. So, if they if they search online for the Sortition Foundation, uh, or if they can remember uh, sortitionfoundation.org, um, they will come through and and see our website. We invite people to become friends of the Sortition Foundation, or just to follow our newsletter. Uh, all of which they can do um, online via our website. Fantastic! Oh, it's honestly. I- just think, just allowing yourself to imagine something like a real house of citizens. I, it, it is, as you say, it is a beautiful thing. Um, mm. uh, so thank you so much for all the work you're doing um, to try and bringing it about and, and for telling us about it today. It's been, yeah, really interesting to, to hear about it. So thank My you pleasure. very much, Rich. Okay, thanks. Good to talk to you. Thanks. And you. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. 